Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Most of us know that vitamin D is important to our health. Many of us stuck inside offices are actually deficient in vitamin D, which in a nation where skin cancer is still a major issue, seems quite ironic. Meet Matthew Collette. He's CEO, director, and co-founder of Solar D, a Sydney-based company reframing how we experience SBF in the form of revolutionary sunscreens. He grew up on Sydney's iconic coastline, so he's enjoyed a beach lifestyle and all the outdoor culture that Sydney has to offer from a very early age, starting off as a junior lifesaver on the famous sands of Bondi Beach and later on taking up an array of sports, including cricket, rugby, and a passion for surfing. Growing up in Bondi, where Solid D Dermatech's life began, Matthew has instilled his active lifestyle and passion for outdoor activities in his three teenage kids. Solar D Dermatech is hailed as the biggest development in SBF technology in over 50 years. The technology is formulated to allow more of the UFB light that our bodies use to produce vitamin D naturally, while still offering broad SBF protection. After securing patents in territories around the world, Matthew began to build the Solar D brand, spending the last several years re-educating and shifting the public mindset toward using new sunscreen, which benefits from activated vitamin D SPF tech, while continuing the overall slip, slop, slap mentality. Matthew has spent 30 years in startups, banking, corporate advisory, FMCG and business development. He spent over 20 years in corporate banking and financial markets where he developed a key understanding of financial instruments, business management, and client relationships. He's a former director at JB Ware, now known as Goldman Sachs Australia, and managing director of ICAP Australia, where he specialised in fixed income, private equity, venture capital investments, and corporate advisory from early stage business across multiple sectors. He's also co-founder of Australia's oldest and largest lime farm, Lime Grove, which created a large range of lime-based FMCG products, which sold over 75% through Australia's largest grocery chain, Woolworths. Prior to Solar D, he helped fund, build and commercialise Cocoon Data, now known as Cavata, a data security company now listed on the ASX. And I'm really happy to welcome you to the politics of everything, Matthew, to discuss the politics of solar. Wow, what an introduction, Amber. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, You've it's done real... <laughs> so much. Um, we do have a little bit of crossover because I was a business journalist for a number of years oh. um, in Hong Kong and London and covered derivatives and equity markets. So, yes, uh, we all have various lives, I think, in our career. Yeah, definitely. The, the, where, that's where you uh, cut your teeth and learn everything. Absolutely. So take us back to perhaps your first paid job before those high-flying corporate jobs. Was there something you did initially? And I guess, did that sort of form any of those early ideas about what you wanted to do career-wise? My first job, well, the, 
it didn't form much of what I was going to do next. It gave me a, a, a huge respect for earning money and respecting money. So I was, I was probably about 14 and my, uh, my brother-in-law owned a very successful and pretty well-known grass ski park in Sydney, which was in Moore Park. And, and some of your listeners may have grown up I do there. remember that. I, yeah, did, yeah. I, I grew up around Bronte, so I yeah. do remember it. And yep. so that was my first job working there for about oh, until I was about seventeen. So it's sort of I think I got paid twenty dollars a day or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, back um, then three dollars a day went a little bit further, perhaps yeah, than it does today. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so I was, you know, at school and working there on the weekends, uh, or literally just working on Sundays because sport took up the Saturdays, and then. Sort of aimed at saving enough to, to buy, I'll never forget it, buy my own TV for my bedroom, which was, you know, the old days was, uh, it, I think it was a black and white TV, to be honest, but it was, you know, one of those chunks, big, heavy things. And, you know, so that, that oh, took yes. me about eight yep. months to do. So that was my, uh, you know, introduction to earning, saving and, and, and reality, I guess, without, uh, you know, asking your parents for money. Yeah, that's great. I think everyone should do that. So fast forwarding now to where you're at, what led you to become CEO of Solar D? And I guess how did that business really evolve? It's been a number of years now. It's no longer a startup. So what's that been like? It's been an amazing journey. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. You know, back to, I guess, the original question is is, is why we started this. We, we'd sort of developed the technology around uh, our understanding of the, the lack of I guess, the lack of understanding of vitamin D and vitamin D deficiency. As you sort of pointed out in your intro, vitamin D is something we get from uh, UVB light. So there's two two rays, there's UVA and UVB. UVA we get all year round, we're exposed to that all year round. UVB is what we use to make vitamin D and it's only, it's, it's, it's known as a shorter ray, so it actually, it's not as long. So we only get that between sort of 10 and Two, ten, and three in the in the summer months. So the rest of the year we really don't get UVB light, and therefore we don't really make vitamin D. So it's it's a great conundrum. And if we go back to the eighties when this whole slip slop slap campaign started, you know, to avoid sunlight altogether or, or, or you know minimise as much as possible, what we we're also learning from that is is the increase of vitamin D deficiency from that. So if we go back a hundred years, we lived in a agricultural society pretty much most people worked outside and 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 walked or they rode horses so we're exposed to a lot of sunlight especially in places like australia um, parts of europe uh, north america and obviously you know anywhere near the equator through asia so as times changed we as as you know and we probably most of your listeners know you get up at seven you jump in a car or a train or a bus and then you get to work and you leave at about six or seven and then you, you know you, you hardly see any sunlight when you do get sunlight which is on the weekends you, you you know you're taught to cover up and 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 stay protected for obvious obviously good reasons there's things like mel- melanoma and carcin and, and, and skin cancer are obviously quite uh, deadly so what, what what we've done as a society is sort of what we like to say is educated to shun the sun which is what we what we're learning over the last sort of 10 15 years is is that's causing more problems than than actual you know the, the rates of cancer you know i'll give you an example in a 2006 um, world health organization study so the who obviously called the global burden of disease due to ultraviolet radiation it was sort of showing that the excessive exposure to uvr or or, or uv light 
was far less damaging than the, the lack of exposure to UV light. And they can measure this by what's, what, what they call dailies, which is disease and disability adjusted life years. So it's measured on diseases that relate to, to premature death or disability. So what they measured was that UV, UV, too much UV exposure has about a 0.1% of the total global burden of disease and disability. And, and in contrast, you know, you're talking about 3.3 billion people affected by lack of UVR, particularly um, vitamin D deficiency. So we'd, we'd done a lot of research in this space. What we, what we knew is we couldn't change people's habits. We couldn't change their work habits. We couldn't tell them to go out in the sun more. You can't really have all, yeah, your office meetings all in the sun, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. Then you, then you can't see your laptop, from my experience. It's lovely yeah. and relaxing, but <laughs> there's a bit so of glare. We, yeah. So what we got to is what we can change is is, is the one thing, in, and that's the sunscreen. So we, we developed a sunscreen that lets in some of that UVB light to make vitamin D to, to protect us as well from you know the harsh the harsh rays so look we've we've tried to create a best of both worlds scenario yeah wow and i guess what do you like most about the business you're in now because it is very different from your corporate background yeah look i've always uh, well not always for the last sort of 15 years i've focused on opportunities which are um, classified as disruptive so the 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 previous business uh, which you mentioned was covata and, and that was a disruptive technology around data security and this sort of came up having absolutely no idea of skincare or sunscreen, we realised that, you know, SPF or sunscreen hadn't really changed since it was invented in the 30s and 40s. Mm. Um, the, only, the only change it was water resistance and, and uh, what we call broad spectrum, so no real change in the technology. Having said that, Matthew, I, I'm of the vintage. I still remember my parents covering themselves in oh, coconut oil. I, it's amazing what <laughs> I remember. My mum used to cooking, yeah, literally right. cooking, and the um, what was the the, the ref- reflective mirror? Or the, yeah, oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Get some more, yeah, some extra rays. So we have come a long way. It sounds. Oh, it's interesting. I remember as a kid when I was sick. You know, you'd get sick and. You know, all I remember is uh, my mum always saying, you know, just just go out and lie, lie in the sun for a while. So, you know, it's been – I think that the concept of sun exposure being good for you has been around for a long time. It's just we know that we're through thousands of studies now that the benefits of it. Absolutely. So what would you say to people who are not sure if they're getting enough vitamin D? It's again. It's it's a very um, it's a touchy subject. Um, I mean, the obvious the obvious one is to get more sun exposure. Yeah, but how do you know? I guess that's what I'm getting to. So we've got the slip slop mass- slap message, which, if for my audience that's not in Australia, it was a campaign: slip on a hat, slop on some sun, oh, yeah. slap on some sunscreen, and slop on a shirt. I think it was. I remember the little that's cartoon, right. and and we kind of like you say, we we're pretty much wanting to cover up after being uncovered and, and coating ourselves and all these products which perhaps didn't have any protection. We now have one in four Australians, for example, that are vitamin D deficient and in a country which is known for its sunshine and, and beach lifestyle, that seems a bit ironic and I think a lot of that's lifestyle dominated as well as I guess those messages about staying indoors and covering up and protecting ourselves. How do people know if they're vitamin D deficient? I mean, I remember my husband was diagnosed a number of years ago because he obviously spent too much time in the office. And, I, and it's only because he went to a doctor for a general checkup. And most of us don't really know 
that we are, I imagine. That is, yeah, 100% true. It's usually a, a doctor checkup and you're doing a number of things or you've been cooked for a while or you actually do have a, you know, a serious disease. So most of us don't realise it. Like I said, it's usually in the, in the winter and colder months where you really get affected. So things to keep an eye on are sort of long period over a longer period of time, not just sort of one day or two days, but probably more weeks or months, is mood. You know, so if it, it does affect your mood, um, not ha- being vitamin mm. D deficient. So it's it's heavily related to d- depression, vitamin D deficiency. Being down uh, physically as well, so sort of just lethargic can be related to vitamin D deficiency. And like I said, and then there's some other sort of much bigger serious health issues. Even even a lot of cancers are, re- are related. Well, there's a connection to vitamin D deficiency. So it's it's one of those things that uh, whenever you do go to the doctor and you do have a blood test, you, you should always ask the doctor for a vitamin D test because it's easily added to the, the existing blood test you're having. So it's a simple tick of the box for most places around the world now. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we safely use sunscreen and still keep producing, I guess, a natural level of vitamin D? It sounds like that's really what your particular line of products addresses. And I guess, you know, we've discussed why it's important, but how how does that really work? Firstly, so normal sunscreen's always been developed to basically block out as much as possible of the both UVA and UVB. So that's what broad spectrum sunscreen does. You never it very very rarely does it block out 100%? So you're talking, you know, say for an example, an SPF 50 blocks out between sort of 98 and 99%. So what, what in theory, you're still getting some vitamin D, but you're just reducing it by 99%. So it's quite a heavy reduction. So what, when you make a sunscreen, you, you make that formulation out of active ingredients, which are the ones that actually block the sunlight. And there's also what they call inactive or preservatives, which is sort of the rest of the the cream, which is you know, pretty much like a cosmetic, so a lot of it's water actually. So the, the, yes. the um, active ingredients are the important ones. So they're the ones, there's about 25 you can use to make a sunscreen. You know, one of the more popular ones or well-known one is zinc, for instance. So that's become a very popular sunscreen, but that reflects pretty much almost 100% of the sunlight. So what the chemicals sun's ingredients do is absorb sunlight. So we can play with those chemical ingredients to play with the absorption. So we can we use ingredients that block out roughly 99% of the UVA, but we're letting mm-hmm. in 3, 4, sometimes 5% of the UVB. Where the juggling act is where we've got to be careful, although, like I said, the UVA light is a stronger and probably more carcinogenic ray, the UVB is responsible for us producing vitamin D, but it's also, it is carcinogenic. So we don't want to let too much of that in. Um, yes. So all our studies and research, um, and we, we've spent a lot of time and money on this because it's so important. I was going to say, um, you would have refined it over time, I imagine, yeah, too. Like- we've changed it probably three or four times. So what we're doing is letting in enough UVB light for vitamin D production, but, and, and, the, and the important part is that not enough to cause any DNA damage which is where you get the cancers from. Absolutely. No, that's really fascinating stuff. And I guess you obviously got a, you've taken this product global and we all need more good vitamin D as we've discussed, but have you found that there's differences globally because obviously there's different climates and different lifestyles and environmental conditions for people. Like someone in Canada will have a different need than perhaps obviously someone in sub-Saharan Africa or perhaps Hong Kong. So how have you really, I guess, tweaked the product or tweaked the messaging around that to make sure that it's universally appealing? 
Yeah, look, it's a, it's a fascinating question and it's something we, we've learned along the way. Firstly, I guess we, we have two main business models. So one is our product, which is a solid ease sunscreen, which, um, like you said, is, is on the shelves here in Australia. The majority of our business and where the growth is for us is to private label or license the technology. So we, we launch into other countries with with partners that have, for instance, their, their existing skincare brands in a, in a country and they're using our technology within their brand. So that's that's a big part of our business. So to answer your question, we, we work with our partners and you're, every country is so different. Asia, for instance, the, the, the whitening or brightening cream markets far outweighs the, the SPF market. So we've developed a, a whitening cream for that you know, for, for Asia with our technology. So it basically whitens the skin slightly and it also lets in UVB light for vitamin D but also has an SPF for protection. Um, mm. Whereas in Australia, it's almost the opposite or in the US, it's the opposite. Everyone wants to be tanned. <laughs> so yes. um, it's, it, 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 it varies. And then you've got places like Canada, funnily enough, which are, um, and New Zealand, New Zealand and Canada are very similar, very, very, very health conscious so that the vitamin D angle is is such a massive interest in places like that. Northern Europe, you know, up in Norway, believe it or not. So there's there's places that we're talking to that you just wouldn't think would apply sunscreen at all, that, that there's a big market for it. Mm, absolutely. So just changing tack a little bit, um, I'm always a believer that, you know, no one sort of got through their career and their business life without um, some great mentors. Are there one or two that stand out and why do they have such an impact in your life and career? Yeah, look, it's an interesting question. Um, there's, there's been obviously, I think, like all of us, there's, there's always a number of mentors, and some, some of those mentors might not even be people you know. They're just great role models and, and leaders. A few of those, but funnily enough, um, or strangely enough, sort of my biggest mentor growing up would have been my mother. Believe it or not, so she. I was one of five kids, so mum and dad uh, were, were fairly busy. We uh, <laughs> can't imagine. I've only got yeah. two, and that's plenty. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and dad sort of ran the family business, and mum worked in the business. We, we were we sort of started, or they started the live export into into Saudi Arabia many many moons ago. So, you know, I, I digress a little bit, but so mum, and then she sort of branched out and worked in the local council area here, and then ended up becoming sort of one of the first uh, mayors of Australia, I think New South Wales. So, you know, she she taught me work ethic, sort of never give up attitude. And, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can always do it. You know, I've got a, a great adage and a sort of belief in, in this business because we've been going since 2014 and you have your, like any business and anyone that's, you know, understood how to start a business or worked with one or known someone, it's, it's, a, it's a rocky road. It's, 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 it's very, very tough. And, and my attitude is if, if, you, if, you, if you don't quit, you don't fail. That's right. So yeah. I learned, probably learned that from my mother and she was a, a great mentor so that's that's probably yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, that was surprising. Yeah. I wasn't sure what I never know what my guests are gonna say, but yeah, I'm always happy to be surprised and it's great that it's someone was in your family as well, rather than, you know, necessarily having to go out and find that that mentor and that support. Yeah. If we spoke yeah. again in a year, what would be the number one thing that you'd hope would have changed in this particular business or your career and why? 
Yeah, look, I think, as mentioned, um, moving away from the product and focusing on the technology. So, look, we see our business in a year and, and maybe a bit longer than a year because because we talk to very large um, institutions that the turnaround times are sometimes a year or longer, due diligence processes and, and decision-making processes. So in a year or so, we, we, we really want to be known as a technology player rather than a sunscreen player. So... Um, our, our aim is to build that. We, you know, we sort of modelled our business off the Intel model. Yes. Um, we we want to be the Intel of, of pretty much any any SPF on the shelf, really, whether it's a sunscreen or a you know a luxury brand. So that's that's where we sort of envisage ourselves to be. Excellent. And a final takeaway message for us on the politics of solar. I think, uh, yeah, respect <laughs> is is the key. Look, respect and also education. So I think more people need to understand the benefits and the and the uh, the lack of benefits that the sun has. I think a really good example of when we started this business, uh, someone said to me, "If you if you stick a plant in a in a dark room, it dies, no matter how much uh, you feed it with water." So we we all need sunlight. But it also is quite damaging if, if, if it's over, overdone. So I think uh, learning about or educating yourself or anyone that can about sunlight, the good and the, the do's and don'ts of sunlight and sun exposure, and then anyone, everyone's different. So the thing about sun exposure, there's no one rule fits for everyone. Depends on your health, your age, colour of your skin, for instance. So the darker your skin, the less vitamin D you produce. Um, if you're a very pale Caucasian you can spend 10 minutes in the sun and produce as much vitamin D as someone who's dark skin would do in two hours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. I think the more of us that are educated about sunlight, uh, the better. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on today, Matthew. If you do want to connect further with Matthew Collette and Solar D, there will be some links on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.